0: he's involved in a number of businesses
1: he's a great role model telling it like it is giving you both sides of the story this is cats at night great american a great new yorker now here's john katsimatidis
0: this is the john katsimatidis cats at night show and john katsimatidis could not be here tonight because he is lighting the world's largest menorah with sid rosenberg he's been given that honor, I think, a couple of years now in a row. For years
2: and years and years. For,
0: for years and years and years. It's an amazing honor. He's there with Margo, 59th and 5th, the world's largest menorah with Sid Rosenberg. So uh we're going to hold down the fort as best as we can here in studio while John lights the menorah. So in studio, of course, we have a Craig Eaton. We have Tony Carbonetti. And we have Judge Weinberg. And we have myself, Lydia Serrani, on the line with us. We have Professor Alan Dershowitz. He is the premier scholar when it comes to the Constitution around the world. He's also a strong uh, proponent of Israel. He's uh, was a Harvard Law professor for just a couple of decades. His latest book—it's your fiftieth book, correct, Professor? The Price of Principle. Welcome it's back my to Cats and This
1: book, and I thought I would never get to the fiftieth book when I lit the menorah. A few years ago, it was so scary. They put me on one of those cherry pickers and went up in the air. Yeah. And then you have a torch and you have to light the thing <laughs> while you're up in the air swaying. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, I, I hope cats comes through with this thing okay, but it ain't he easy. It's he has a good track record.
0: He's strong like uh, bull <laughs> well, we
3: told him to make sure that he, he wore a a, a, a heavy scarf and a scarf cuz uh, right. it's
1: going to be freezing he as you go wears up a in coat the
0: cold he's like he's he doesn't feel the cold <clears throat> so but perf- the heat
1: of the menorah the light of the menorah will keep him warm just the way it did thousands of years ago you know when they lit the menorah for it was oil for one night and it lasted eight nights so He's going to be very well protected.
0: Absolutely. And happy
1: Hanukkah, everybody, and early Merry Christmas.
0: Same to you, sir. We have to talk about Title 42 right now. The Supreme Court put it on pause, but it's just on pause. Uh, I'm listening to the Biden administration. They're blaming Congress for not enacting immigration reform. Can you please tell us exactly what is going on?
1: Well, first of all, there should be immigration reform. It's a mess. It's a total mess. Today, it's lawless. It's just lawless. And... Congress has a responsibility. We are a nation with open arms. Uh, President Biden was correct when he said the Statue of Liberty represents America. Uh, anybody who is an asylum seeker should be welcome. On the other hand, we need to have tough, rigorous vetting to make sure that only people who are eligible for citizenship came in. All of our, I bet you everybody on this show's grandparents, great grandparents came from faraway countries. And America was their great home, their great asylum. My grandmother used to go to the Statue of Liberty on July 4th and and just cry how glad she was to be out of Poland and in Manhattan. So, you know, we have to have immigration, but we have to have it with the law. And I don't know whether the Supreme Court is going to do much help. Uh, in in rationalizing this, I think this has to be done by Congress eventually.
2: I think, Alan, it's it's Richard Weinberg. I agree with you because the whole rationale was a public health concern because of uh, of COVID. Yeah. So they have to come yeah. up with another rationale on a public health or or something else. I think they have to go well, back and <laughs> rewrite the law or look at their regs. They have to do something. Well, what can uh, the, what about, can the court could do?
1: Well, talking about rationales, just to change the subject for one second, one of the biggest frauds is going on right now in Congress. They said they needed President Trump's tax returns, not because they wanted to look at his tax returns, but because they wanted to pass legislation. Now, that was the biggest bunch of who you ever heard. Now they want to release them to the public, which violates the core principles of tax privacy only in order to gain political advantage. Even former heads of the IRS are complaining about this, saying this will be a terrible precedent. When the Republicans come into power, they will start subpoenaing the tax returns of Democrats and revealing them to the public. In the end, we've all lost our right of privacy. Now, you know, those of us, we have nothing to hide. Most of us, we do the right thing. On the other hand, you know, the list of our charities, we don't want everybody to know that. We don't want to have everybody know what our medical bills might have been. So I, I just think that Congress is acting utterly, utterly irresponsibly when it comes to – when they, disclose tax when they
2: open that door, are they going to be surprised when they starts subpoenaing the all box. the Biden tax records, oh. the
1: son, Ed, the brother,
2: yeah. the wife, Joe himself?
3: So
1: look, the weaponization of our legal system has become such a serious problem,
3: and and, and the, the weaponization, weaponization of the of the FBI and all the of the, IRS, IRS, the, the IRS. all the other yeah.
1: agencies is crazy. Congress getting into the business not of legislating, but of making referrals for criminal cases. You know. That's the way it used to be before the American Revolution. It was called a bill of attainder. The parliament would name somebody, specify who should be prosecuted, who should be convicted, and we abolished that when we passed the constitution. We said no bills of attainder, and the only function that legislatures are entitled to perform is passing laws. Whoever gave Congress or a committee of Congress – the power to make referrals in criminal prosecutions. It's so clearly in violation of our spirit of the separation of powers. But nobody seems to care about the Constitution these days. Everybody wants the Constitution to be interpreted to help their party, their ideology, the people that they like, and against the people they don't like. And it's really a serious problem.
3: It's, it's actually a disgrace, Professor. This is Craig Eaton. But you know what? This is all part and parcel of the witch hunt, the witch yeah. hunt against Donald Trump. You know, they they just want to do anything they can to discredit him, to embarrass him, to try and indict him. And, and look at this now, this worthless piece of paper that they came out with, yeah. um, the January yeah. 6th committee. I mean, we all knew so, that they yeah. were going to come out with handing down criminal charges against him and others. We knew that because the deadline is December 31st. The new Congress comes in no. January 1st. So we knew it, but it is, it is, like you said, a worthless piece of paper.
0: But Professor Dershowitz, is the Department of Justice even obligated to do anything?
1: No, of course not. They will be very polite, and they'll thank the committee for sending them the referral. They'll, then they'll put it in a circular file that sits on the floor, and they'll never look at it again. There's a special prosecutor who's doing his own investigation.
4: But if I he had one, referral, it's now political. This politicized right. think- his investigation.
1: I think that's right. This uh referral is going to make it much harder mm-hmm. for him to do his job in a non-political way. And everything is politicized today. Nothing is sacred. Today everything is politicized and and we have nothing that we agree on anymore. Everything is which side are you on? Which team are you rooting for? And it's all or nothing. And it's not the America I grew up in, and it's not the America I
4: grew It's in. not, I grew up in. Alan. It's, it's Tony Carbonetti. You're so right. I just had lunch with a good friend who happens to be a very liberal Democrat, and we, we just, you know, we're yearning for the days when we were younger, and at least you could work together. You could share a drink together. Absolutely. You can have a conversation. The problem is today it's so black and white. Our kids are taught. You know, it's not good enough to be a Republican or a Democrat. You have to hate the other side. It's really horrible well, what's happening.
1: Yeah, you know, in, in my case, I have friends on the venue who would like to be seen in public with me. But they have been told that if they're seen in public with me, they will be committing, quote, social suicide. And therefore, they have to all join in this blacklist against me because I had the chutzpah to defend the president of the United States against an unconstitutional impeachment. So – you know, we've lost many of our friends. They, do our they know audience anything audience about places? the
2: history of McCarthyism from mm-hmm. the right, the Senator McCarthy of Wisconsin, and the Army-McCarthy so, hearings?
1: It's so interesting because Chilmark, Massachusetts, where I lived for the summer, was a focal point of McCarthyism because a lot of left-wing people, writers, Lillian Hellman and others, lived there. In fact, there's a place called Menemsha, and they were called the Menemshaviks. And so the committees were going after them. And Schumark, and Massachusetts was the real subject of McCarthyism. And the grandchildren of these people are now becoming McCarthyites, doing the same thing, but on the left instead of the right.
3: But, you know, t- today, today, Professor, the, the senators and the congressmen don't have the best interest of the country anymore at heart. They have the best interest of their own political party and their political agenda. And that's the problem. And I don't know when we're going to get back to a point where we're one country again and everyone's working to make this country the, the best place that it can be.
1: You know, there are some issues that do unite us. I think the vast majority of Americans are united over the issue of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. There are some people on the other side. There are some dissenters. But that's an issue that unites us. I thought we would be united over fighting COVID, but even that became very, very political. And um, probably Ukraine will be political. I think we're growing further apart. You know, I used to be on Bill Buckley's show all the time. He was this great conservative. Mm -hmm. He called me his favorite liberal, and I called him my favorite conservative. We would fight like children, and then we'd go out and have a drink and enjoy each other's company. That's the way it's supposed to be. You did disagree, yeah. Yeah, But that's not the way it is.
0: Professor Dershowitz, Elon Musk, uh, a few hours ago, he tweeted that the government paid Twitter millions of dollars to censor information from the public. And he says the FBI was involved in this and suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story. I mean, how egregious would this be if our taxpayer dollars were used to actually censor free speech?
1: Absolutely outrageous, because they did it in two ways. First of all, they violated the Constitution by circumventing it and putting their thumb on the scale of private social media. Second, they did it surreptitiously. So there was no accountability. This could be one of the biggest stories involving freedom of speech and government efforts to suppress freedom of speech in a long, long time. And I hope we get to the bottom of it. But again, who's going to investigate it? The Republicans, if they come in, take over, they'll probably put you know an emphasis on what the Democrats did as the Democrats had it. They'll put an emphasis on the Republicans. We need more commissions like the 9-11 Commission. That was a great commission. It was comprised of objective, neutral people, nonpartisan. How about Frank Church? How about the Frank Church? Yeah, the Church church Committee. That that was the time that could happen. Today, if you send it to Congress, it's not going to happen. There have to be commissions that are independent and that, see the things through an objective lens rather than through the lens of partisanship. But we're, unfortunately, a long way away from that. Alan,
2: there's a, there's a very serious charge that just came out. I, was, I read about it last night, and I saw it on television last night. Devin Nunes, who is the chair of one of the important committees yeah, of the House, yeah, yeah. is now accusing the Department of Justice mm-hmm. of uh, subpoenaing his, uh, his staff, targeting his, his home, and to try to intimidate him, chill. Now, you and I know that it's... The committee is supposed to do oversight over the FBI. The FBI is not supposed to be investigating congressional committees. What do you say about that?
1: No, I agree with you completely. Again, it's the weaponization of the FBI, in this case, to protect itself from being investigated by, by a committee. And they, I'm sure there are some congressmen who will be intimidated. Nunes is not one of them. He's not somebody who's easily intimidated, and I'm glad he's fighting back. And this may eventually uh, get to court. That is, does Congress have the power to issue subpoenas designed to essentially protect itself? Does the FBI have the power to issue subpoenas to protect itself? Does You know, you shouldn't be issuing subpoenas for the to serve the interests of one party or one group or one person. It should be to get at the truth. And I think we're seeing that abuse
4: now in the Nunez and other cases. So, so, Alan, it's Tony Carbonetti. I have a complaint. I- I'm yep. going on vacation next week, so I don't read anymore. I download books. I go onto Audible. I download the Price of Principle. Who's Joel Richard, and why is he reading your book? Are you that busy you can't read your own book?
1: I have no idea. Was he the guy who re- I didn't even He's know? He's
4: the guy uh, reading your book I, to
5: me.
1: I love re- I love reading my books. I like reading them. I like my emphasis. The only other person I ever allowed to read my book called uh, Taking the Stand, my legal autobiography, is my daughter, who is a professional Well, actor. the price
4: of principles and, not being read by you, it says.
1: All right. Well, next time, I'll tell you, I have a new book coming out called Get Trump, How the Attempt to Prevent Trump from Becoming president again is destroying civil liberties so now we have, have your another, word you're going to read that one. I'm, oh, i will read
0: that book thank he's you he's going to read it to that. you night for a bedtime story <laughs> <laughs> by the way just so everybody understands according to this twitter files part seven okay. the fbi allegedly because i'm going to say allegedly right i mean this Go is ahead. according to elon musk they paid twitter 3.4 million dollars like it wow. the FBI's influence campaign may have been helped by the fact that it was paying Twitter millions of dollars for its staff time they have an actual email they put this on Twitter where it says quote I am happy to report that we have collected Three million four hundred fifteen thousand dollars since October twenty nineteen. Reports an associate of Jim Baker in early twenty twenty one. That's, I mean, that's that's a lot of money. So of course they're going to listen to what the FBI is going to say because we know Twitter isn't profitable. But how can this be, Professor Dershowitz? Because is wouldn't that be our money that's how can being used? The government spent three million dollars, and we cons- not know about and it. Us not
1: know about it. Yeah. Not only is it our money, but the government can't spend money to censor. Yep. The government can't be involved in any censorship. The First Amendment basically precludes the federal government from being involved in censorship and in any way abridging the freedom of speech or the press. And they're doing it surreptitiously by paying money. If it's $3.4 million, it's a lot. But if it was just a half a million, it would be too much. You can't have the government paying a private entity money to censor That just is a double violation of the Constitution. Number one, it's censorship by the government. Number two, it's not transparent. It's not visible so the public can't hold those people who are responsible accountable. So it has to stop.
0: Sounds like some deep, deep state stuff to me. Thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz, for always telling us the truth, giving us the facts and informing the American people. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, well, we have to go to break, and when we come back, John Solomon has some incredible breaking news. Keep it right here, Cats at Night.
6: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Breaking news, WABC.
0: And the man with that breaking news is John Solomon, intrepid investigative reporter of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, what do you have for us?
7: A lot of breaking news on the election integrity front. Late last night, a judge in Arizona permitted Kerry Lake to conduct a trial to try to show that Maricopa County disenfranchised voters, cheated voters of the chance to vote on election day. This is extraordinary. It's six weeks after the election and now the woman who is declared the winner over Kerry Lake, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, Governor-elect Katie Hobbs now is going to be cross-examined by Kerry Lake and all the officials in Maricopa County who for a decade have been facing questions about their conduct, are going to be put on trial in front of a judge who may decide that election laws were violated and could take some remedy as a result of that. While that's going on in Arizona, wind the clock back to 2020, because in Georgia, the state's highest court, the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court, just resurrected an election lawsuit accusing Fulton County of mismanaging the November 2020 election. Told an appeals court, you've got to reconsider the merits of this case. It's actually a legitimate case. So the courts, belatedly, getting involved in both the 2020 and 2022 elections, something... The now,
8: in Georgia, canceled. will that affect 2022 or only 2020? Yeah, it's only 2020.
7: So uh, that's an old one that's come back. Two years later, the Supreme Court has said, hey, this this case... Which was brought by a, a conservative activist named Carolyn Jeffords has merit. You shouldn't have tossed it. And out. that's the Supreme nope. Court of the United States? No, the Georgia Supreme Court.
8: Oh, okay. Let's let's. Uh, yeah. I think we have to say that. So it's the Supreme Court of Arizona on Arizona and the Supreme well, uh, Court of Georgia.
7: Right. It's a state judge in Arizona and the Supreme Court of Georgia that are the two actors. Uh, that did this, but a pretty extraordinary moment. The trial in Arizona, it's going to begin tomorrow. It's two days. All eyes of the nation will be watching that. Uh, pretty significant and dramatic uh, legal battle. And we haven't had something like this, really, in the court since maybe the 20, 2000 hanging election in Florida, which, as you know, eventually made its way all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. But unexpected big developments in the courts on election integrity in the last 24 hours.
0: John Solomon, what is Carrie Lake alleging that she says that the results aren't accurate.
7: She made a total of 10 accusations in her initial complaint. The judge dismissed eight of them, but said that two of them have significant merit. And one of those is that Maricopa County, either through intention or incompetence, disenfranchised voters on the day. I remember everybody showed up. The printers weren't working. People were stuck in long lines. There was confusion. Many people allegedly walked away and chose not to vote because they couldn't wait any longer, having been in long lines. The judge has allowed those sort of allegations to be considered in a trial. Now, the remedy is unclear. We'll have to wait and see what the actual conclusions are first. But if the judge were to determine that a large number of voters uh, were disenfranchised, he could take several remedies. And keep in mind, uh, in one of the races in Arizona, uh, the attorney general's race, the Democrat won by fewer than 600 votes. If the if the judge concludes there are fewer than 600 votes in dispute in Maricopa County, that race could clearly be put back into uh, motion. And, of course, there could be other other remedies that aren't you know aren't even on the table yet. But Kerry Lake is going to be able to show that Maricopa County and perhaps the state working with Maricopa County disenfranchised voters by not allowing them to vote easily in person on Election Day. And as you know, in Arizona, Republicans vote on the day of Democrats tend to vote early.
0: Staying in Arizona, what is the latest on the case? The governor there, he put up those shipping containers along the border to fill the gaps. The Department of Justice is now suing the state, citing environmental reasons. What's the latest on that case?
7: Yeah, that's winding its way through the courts. So that lawsuit is proceeding. Uh, Extraordinary that we're fighting one of the largest scourges of illegal immigration in American history. By a mile, one of the largest scourges of drug abuse in America, fentanyl poisoning all across the country. And the Biden administration is trying to stop an effort by a governor to slow it down on environmental grounds, saying that these boxcars that they were using to make a makeshift border uh, somehow harm the environment. That's going to go through the court system. That There could be injunctions ahead, uh, certainly a trial ahead. Uh, governors who have tried to act on their own in the absence of action by the Biden administration are getting hampered by the Biden administration and trying to slow this down. And keep in mind, uh, on the 21st, just a few hours from now, Uh, It will, uh, the uh, Title 42 was set to expire. The Supreme Court has put a temporary hold on that. But if Title 42, that regulatory health authority, is uh, allowed to expire, the avalanche of people coming across the uh, border will double or triple, according to customs experts.
8: Now, uh, John Solomon, Congress unveiled a a uh, a $1.7 trillion bill. Now, is it for this Congress? Is it going to try to pass it before December 31? Or is it for have. the next Congress?
7: No. This will be passed by the old Congress, but it will dictate how money is spent for the entire first year of the new Congress. Where, and, and, so
8: how, and there's how an how argument. Is the ability. Yeah. There's an argument between McConnell and uh, McCarthy?
7: There sure is. Uh, d- oh, uh, my uh, God. What's, what's going on? on? Yeah, Mitch McConnell signed off on a deal with the Democrats that lets them spend all this money, this omnibus money, they call it. Uh, the House Republicans were cut out of those negotiations. Uh, McCarthy says he is standing with Republicans who are seeking to block this he will work with them and support them if they try to block this from going through most likely this will pass even with the fight from House Republicans and what it does it has a lot of effect beyond throwing 1.7 trillion more onto a inflated economy Republicans won't have the power of the purse in 2023 to help uh, as a, a stick and carrot uh, measure to do oversight with the Democratic administration. They won't be able to threaten to hold funds because the funds are already appropriated. Uh, this really is a hamper. And I, I want to remind people of something. It will be 20 years next month that Mitch McConnell joined the Senate leadership, first as whip, eventually as leader. Uh, during those 20 years where Mitch McConnell has had the purse strings of the Senate, the national debt has grown from a little over $6.3 trillion in 2003 to $31 trillion at the start of this fiscal year. 80% of the debt that this nation has accumulated in the last 246 years has occurred on the leadership watch of Mitch McConnell. A lot of House conservatives very angry that he would add another $1.7 trillion omnibus to that record.
0: That sounds like a lot of money. It's a lot of money. They're on a spending spree in their last days in office. Uh, John Solomon, What's Last question, what is the latest on Twitter? Elon Musk, he put out that poll. Should he step down or not? 57% said he should. Now there's some talk that he could appoint a new CEO and, of course, the FBI. What's the latest on it?
7: Well, listen, I think uh, everyone who knew what was going on in Twitter expected Elon Musk was not going to run Twitter for a long time. He's putting satellites into the sky, building electric vehicles, doing space exploration. Uh, This was a temporary thing. I think he wanted to use his short tenure as CEO, to force out all of the censorship revelations that he's done. He was going to hand it over. I think he knew if he put the poll out what the verdict would be, and it would give him that excuse, that moment, to move aside and name a permanent CEO. That doesn't mean he won't have influence, but I think he'll be moving aside. As the evidence grows in the Twitter files that the FBI was censoring Americans' uh, opinion on that platform, putting significant pressure to censor the opinions of Americans that bureaucrats disagreed with, a new revelation has come out. Yesterday, we here at Justin News were able to get these documents. Google now has it made public evidence that the FBI and Justice Department spied on the House Intelligence Committee, uh, eavesdropped on the emails and phone, con- phone data of two House Intelligence Committee staffers that were helping Devin Nunes unwind the Russia collusion thing. So new revelation. You have a whole bunch of censorship going on. Now a little bit of spying on the executive branch on Congress. Devin Nunes Furious about this, several members of Congress promising new investigations. The role of the DOJ and the FBI in colliding with American civil liberties seems to be growing. Twitter, Nunes, I think we're going to learn a lot more in the uh, new year.
0: And, John Solomon, something tells me it's not just isolated to Twitter or Facebook. It could get even further, this whole censorship of free speech. But thank you so much for always bringing us the latest news. John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. Thanks, guys. Well, that was a lot of breaking news there. And there's even more breaking news. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried has signed extradition papers. Who He will be returning to the United States. I guess that Bahamian jail, right, wasn't, wasn't too uh, cozy for him. What do you think, Tony Carbonetti? A lot of rats? I don't think
4: they were serving the proper vegan food for him.
0: That's true. Yeah, maybe enough combs for his floppy hair. Keep it right here. Lou Dobbs is up next.
6: This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
0: Welcome back to the John katz Cats at Night Show. A short time ago, John katz conducted this interview with Dr. Bjorn Lomborg. He has a great book out, Dr. Lomborg. It's called False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. And you have to wonder, are the Chinese laughing at our climate efforts? So here's that interview with John Katzmatidis and Dr. Lomborg. Climate change.
8: Everybody's concerned about
0: it. But how worried should we be?
8: With us today is Dr. Bjorn Lomborg, and uh, he has written uh, many books, but one of them is uh, False Alarm, how climate change has panicked and cost uh, the United States trillions of dollars, uh, hurts the poor and, uh, fails to fix the planet. Dr. Bijon, how are you, uh, uh, Lomberg? This is what I'm worried about is that there's a whole change in world attitude, uh, where they're, they're saying, oh, fossil fuels is the enemy. Uh, they're saying that, uh, uh, now all of a sudden when Europeans are getting cold and you're part of the Europeans, uh, the Germans, who are supposed to be very smart people, and the French, hmm. they're saying, all of a sudden they're saying, well, nuclear energy is now, uh, good energy. Uh, hmm. is there a big con game going on in the world? I've always asked about that. Uh, in other words, who is leading the charge in trying, they're trying to convince, uh, all the American automobile companies to make only electric cars. Mm. And uh, I've studied it and electric cars is not everything that uh, it's uh, supposed to be. Give yeah. us your opinion of where we are.
9: Yeah. John, so that, that's a great, actually several questions. So look, global warming is a real problem, but the way that it's being exaggerated actually makes us make really bad decisions. So I, I don't tend to believe that there's a con going, going on as much as it's just we end up over-focusing, for instance, as we just talked about, on heat deaths and forget cold deaths. And of course, when you're worried about heat deaths, you sort of say, oh, we need to do something about global warming. But of course, if you actually want to help people with heat deaths, you need to get people air conditioning. And if you are worried about cold deaths, <laughs> you also need to get people uh, affordable and reliable heating. There's a lot of things that fossil fuels give us. They basically power most of our civilization today. And without a a reliable and fairly cheap substitute, which is not going to go anywhere, as, as you point out, the Germans have tried to switch to solar and wind. And, you know, some of it might actually make good sense. But you can't run a civilization on solar and wind unless you have backup power and one of the ways you can have that is nuclear power but then if you have nuclear power you really don't need the wind and and solar because you already have power 24/7 uh your last question about the electric car uh look electric cars are fun if you've ever driven a, a tesla oh it's a it's a it's a wonderful car but it only Fulfills a fairly small amount of what most people need. Uh, it's great to go down to the store and, and, you know, you convert your signal with it. It will cut a little bit of CO2, but it's also fantastically expensive. And remember you can't actually drive really far. Then you need to stop and wait for a long time, which is why, you know, 90% of all Americans who have electric cars also have another Real car that they drive much longer. So they'll drive, you know, the electric car about 5,000 miles, but they will drive their non-electric car in the order of 15,000 miles a year. So in reality, we're, we're talking about a lot of small gestures here instead of thinking about how do we fix problems smartly.
8: No, I, I agree with you. Uh, uh, electric cars, yes, but it has to be an option for people want to buy yep. electric cars, not a, a mandatory. Oh, you only can drive an electric car. I mean, North America. I've said this. North America has a hundred, two hundred years worth of oil. I hmm. mean, why, and uh, well, it's it, it's just frustrating. And and you know who they punish the most uh, beyond? Um, uh, they punish the poor and the middle class because they're the ones that have to pay more. But gasoline, other ones have to pay more for everything else.
9: What say you? Oh, of, of, of course, I'm always, you know, when you go to New York, uh, you, you, uh, I, or at least sometimes I meet these rich people and say, oh, you know, we should tax, uh, uh gasoline at, I don't know, $20 a, uh, a gallon or something. And that's easy to say if you live in New York and you can just take the subway. But for most poor people and people who actually have to commute to work, that's a, that's a no-go. Uh, look we we we've all
8: went to school we studied the earth the earth uh adjusts itself i mean you know when i tell people the reasons for hurricanes uh is that it it's part of the cooling process if the earth gets too hot etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. Uh, i mean w- what happens over 10 20 years is like 0.0000001 of uh, of the history of the earth uh, and um it's just the some of these people are are not convinced.
6: Hmm. I,
9: th- I think there's certainly something to the fact that we're overly dramatizing the impact on climate change. For instance, hurricanes. Every time you see a hurricane, you hear, oh, my God, that's global warming. But the reality, of course, is if you look at landfalling hurricanes to the U.S., which is our best indicator because it's very likely that it's been noticed at least since 1900, both hurricanes. And major hurricanes have actually slightly declined over the last 122 years, not increased, as you'd probably imagine. Uh, and, and, and again, what really matters when you're worried about the impacts of hurricanes, what matters here is whether you're rich. If you're rich, you're actually able to deal with many of the problems that come from, for instance, hurricanes and many other natural disasters. That's called resilience. That's why when a hurricane hits Florida, yeah, it creates, you know, billions of damage. But a few people die and you're back on your feet in in like a week or a month. Whereas if the same hurricane hits poor countries like the Philippines or Guatemala, it can wipe out their economy. It can kill thousands of people. And so, again, if you want to help people who are forced to live with hurricanes – the right way is not to try to cut carbon emissions so that you can slightly help them in a 100 years. The way is to make sure that they get out of poverty right now, which, of course, has lots and lots of other benefits apart from climate benefits. But it also makes them more resilient, make them more able to both handle hurricanes, storms, floods, whatever. So, again, if we want to help the world effectively, yes, climate change is a problem. Yes, it's something that we should tackle but smartly. But we really need to understand that the best impacts are in, for instance, lifting people out of poverty. Bottom
8: line: we got a minute left. Bottom line is we shouldn't panic in any direction because anything that happens on Earth takes a hundred years, tens and tens of years, and we should do things smartly, but don't panic. Are, are, yes, are you saying the same thing.
9: B- bottom line. Panic is never the right answer. It doesn't give good policy advice. Instead, we should be looking at how can we spend resources and do the most good. That's what my think tank, uh, what I really do for my day job, looks at. It's cost-benefit analysis. Look at where you can do the most good. We should do smart stuff for climate, but we should do a lot more other smart stuff for education and nutrition and all these other things, as we just talked about. Lift people out of poverty. That's one of the best ways to help. And we
8: can't, I mean, we can't take the European community, the United States, Canada, and put them into poverty because of climate change because Russia and uh, uh, China, how do I say it nicely? They don't give a damn.
9: (laughs) There's certainly a risk that we're going to end up impoverishing ourselves. Remember, we're not going to go to the poorhouse, but these uh, climate costs – will make us less rich than we otherwise would have been. So Biden's climate policy could end up make each American about $11,000 poorer every year by mid-century. I don't think anyone is going to vote for that. And that's, of course, the crucial bit. This is not the way to solve climate change by just throwing lots of money on it. It's through innovation, it's through smart policies, and it's realizing there are many other problems we also need to fix.
8: Dr. Bjorn Lumberg, thank you so much uh, for coming on, and I'd like to have further conversations because I think
0: it's
9: important. Let's do that. Thanks a lot, John.
8: Everybody has to listen to this, and
0: thank you so much. That was a great interview John just did. Again, John is in studio because as we speak, he is at 59th and 5th at the world's largest menorah. He'll be going up there. What's that that thing called when you go up there on the little – no, the cherry little, picker, the cherry picker, the cherry picker. He's going to go up there and he's going to light the menorah. He's with Sydney done that. and
3: Margot. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. So it's it Sid Rosenberg. So it's a great honor that has been bestowed upon him for many, many, many years. So that's why John isn't here in studio. On the line with us right now is John McLaughlin of McLaughlin Associates. He's a fantastic pollster, John, I just want to alert you who's in studio. We have Craig Eaton, Tony Carbonetti and Judge Weinberg and myself, Lydia. So, um, Trump, he's been blasting that polling that shows DeSantis surging. Um, what I mean, I guess that we're getting ahead of ourselves. What What are you hearing?
5: Well, we just did a poll, and we posted it. And, uh, you know, I've seen, and you're comparing polls, some of these media polls, where they, they're in opposition to Trump. It's apples to oranges. They're not the same polls. This is a technical point. There's 258 million eligible voters in the United States. In 2020, we had a record 160 million come out, but that's still almost 100 million difference. So when you see a poll and it says adults and it says registered voters, it's really of the 258 million, many of whom are not going to vote. And the reason the media does that is to dilute the Trump support. Now, we do a monthly poll where we do 1,000 likely voters, which means it's more expensive. You had to take more contacts to get the likely voters. And among the likely voters, of those who are nationally uh, Republicans or independents who will vote in Republican primaries, 61% tell us they want Trump to run again. And if he runs again, they say they'll support him 77 to 19. And a field of 13 candidates, he's ahead at 48% with 23% for uh Uh, for DeSantis, everybody else in single digits. By the way, Trump is up a point and DeSantis down four from the November 8th number we had. And one-on-one, Trump leads DeSantis 58 to 36. And when we ask them who's better positioned to beat Joe Biden in 2024, uh, Trump or you prefer somebody else, it's Trump 59, 36, someone else. So those media polls who ask, do you want somebody who's like Donald Trump but not Donald Trump to run and then they ask who's gonna whether you support Trump or or DeSantis. They're coaching the answer in already a diluted sample that's against Trump. And, look, I went through this in 2016 where, they, where we were saying Trump could win. It's a very close election. Trump could win. And he won in 2016 by 78,000 votes out of 139 million casts. And, and when you look at the battleground states that decided the race in 2020, he lost by 44,000, and we were saying it was going to be close again. So, you know, the media polls that sandbagged us going into the 2020 race and going into the 2016 race, they're back in what they can to stop Donald Trump from running again, and people shouldn't be fooled by it. So right now he's still the guy to beat in the Republican primary. And it's not just our poll. Mark Penn, who was Clinton's pollster at, at uh, Harvard-Harris poll, they, they say the same thing. So it's uh, they got Trump ahead in the field by virtually the same number. John, this, so is, Craig, gotta...
3: John, this is Craig Eaton. I have a quick yeah. question for you. So today or mm-hmm. well, yesterday the committee came down and referred criminal charges against Trump. Does that mm-hmm. hurt or help Trump in future polling? I mean you have a lot of people that are going to look at it and it's going to bolster them and say we want Trump even more now because the, the country is coming after him. The The it's weaponization, hunt, the kangaroo weaponization kangaroo of the government mm-hmm. and the FBI and, and everyone else or does it hurt him what's your opinion on that
5: it actually hurts him i mean i mean it helps him pardon me it hurts yeah, that's what i was thinking it hurts himself it helps him because you saw his numbers went up after the raid of Mar-a-Lago, and after each phony impe- impeachment his numbers went up and his base solidifies and it's not about now granted the president announced that he was going to run again but he has campaigned out in the stump since you know the election but uh but when the democrats refer to this and it's phony and people now are seeing the Twitter files. By the way, in this poll that we just did, only 39 percent of all voters are, said they were aware of the Twitter file story. Fifty percent of the Republicans, 37 uh, percent of the independents, 30 percent of the Democrats. The mainstream media is not carrying the story because it's really damning to them because you go back. They're complicit. October, yes. And you go back to October 2020, they suspended free speech for the president of the United States they suspended freedom of the press for the New York Post and they interfered the FBI now you can see these emails that Elon Musk has put out they interfered in the in the election there and by the way Elon Musk is getting attacked by the press because in the same poll that we just did he's 43 favorable 40 unfavorable so they're attacking him for buying Twitter and the, the, to the extent when the truth gets out it's it's like when you ask when you ask the voters about um you know, from what they've seen or read about Elon Musk releasing Twitter files from October 2020 about the laptop. Agree or disagree that Twitter and big tech and uh, work with the FBI uh, and the Democrat National Committee, and the Biden campaign to censor the New York Post story on Hunter Biden and violated the freedom of press. They agree. 5317. But that you're giving them a lot of information in that question. And when you ask them about, do you believe Joe Biden and his family are compromised because they've accepted millions of dollars from interest in Russia, China and Ukraine? They say yes, fifty-four to thirty. So there's a real there's a real problem for Biden, and you're watching the Democrats do everything they can to stop Kevin McCarthy from getting a majority that's going to issue subpoenas on Biden on the president and and Hunter Biden because uh, you but, know the corruption. Is but John, but that's
2: exactly why this group of five Republicans need to step back. And support yeah. McCarthy, because otherwise the House Republicans cannot organize themselves, cannot form committees, cannot hire staff, and get the subpoenas out and start the investigative hearings. They're making yeah. a terrible mistake. What say you?
5: Yeah, but by the way, whatever their reasons are, those Republicans, they probably have something something really important to Power. them that they want to get from. They yeah, want yeah.
4: Get, I mean, it's, it's a negotiating ploy. ploy. Let's call it what yeah. it is. The five but, of them get together. They, you can't do it without us. So right. here's the list of what I want.
5: Yeah, and and that's what. By the way, I just went through this with Netanyahu. Just got elected right. prime minister. We, we've become and, a
4: parliamentary system now. That's, that's it.
5: Yeah, and, and it's like, you, and everybody's like, "Oh, do you think they will form a government?" I said, "Yeah," because otherwise, these guys won't have any power. At what price so is the job. question? So right, so there's a negotiation. But guess what? They will. They will get come together. McCarthy will be sworn in as speaker, and then those subpoenas will go. But the Democrats, in the meantime, between now and then. The Democrats are going to do everything they can, including this phony kangaroo court referral, because that January 6th committee there were no Trump supporters on it. It was a, it's, a, it's totally a. It was packed, really, totally packed
2: with it was packed
0: with people that hate with him. That, forget about they supporters. That, but they that was they so him. obvious
4: from the first from the first hearing. You just flipped it Political off and said, theater, "I can't yeah. watch this." It truly yeah, was whatever. a kangaroo
5: court. You started the show with Professor Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz by no means is a conservative. He's a civil libertarian, but he believes in freedom and free speech like the rest of us and individual rights. And what's scary is that when Congress can start doing this, yeah. where where they, they get the Justice Department to target the president of the United States, and if they – you know, Merrick Garland's already appointed a, a, a special counsel on this – if they try to indict him and bring him to a trial in New York or Washington where they'll get a very hostile uh, jury to the president, to President Trump, that is, I mean, that's that's really scary because that's what they do in these – you know, that's what they do in Russia and China. China, you read about Xi prosecuting his enemies and stuff. I mean, uh, uh, it's in China, you've got Catholic bishops and you've got this guy – uh, you know Jack Lew, or whatever his name is, is, is he's he's they're in prison because they spoke out against the government. And here, if you're an enemy of Joe Biden, and you know you're looking at his corruption, they're going to investigate you and they're going to try to drive you out of business. And now you got you know 87,000 IRS agents coming on board. <laughs> so if they can't get you with the FBI, they'll get you with the IRS.
2: That's why you need McCarthy to be the leader of the uh, the House. To not fund it.
5: Yes, exactly. And that's why the, one of the biggest mistakes that the Republicans are doing right now, the Senate, going along with this continuing resolution and not may, being able to make changes to the budget for a year, that, that's – in September in a national poll, the re- voters said they wanted the Republicans to reduce spending to cut inflation 71 to 14. That but was they didn't elect
4: enough Republicans.
5: But, no, they didn't run on it. They didn't try to stop spending before the election. It was a great issue. And the Republicans, when they mm-hmm. took the House in 2010, 10, hey, in twenty nine, 29- John McLaughlin,
0: I'm sorry to cut you off. We have some.
5: Breaking news, WABC.
0: John, you can stay on with us, but we got uh, Peter Mikul- Dr. Mikolos on with us because uh, we just are now learning that, you know, that deadly Bronx apartment fire that killed 17 people. The fire marshal's report is now saying that a lithium-ion battery may have been the cause. So this is the same type of batteries that are used in electric cars. Dr. Mikolos, uh, does this surprise you at all that this happened? I mean, 17 people lost their lives.
6: Well, we've been predicting that there's going to be an issue with the e bike batteries, because one of the problems is that these batteries are poor quality batteries, and many of them are, are not uh, UL listed or UL tested. For example, if you buy a Electric, uh, electric car battery or specifically a bicycle battery and it comes from a major company like Samsung or LG, for example, those have to be UL tested and it's stamped directly on it. Another, uh, we're seeing these more frequent uh, car fire batteries and one of the problems is that people leave batteries charging overnight and the recommendation is to never leave these batteries unattended because there's something called thermal runaway that can occur, especially with these cheaper batteries. And when you charge these batteries too fast and or you let them discharge too fast, they overheat. And one of the problems is people want them to charge faster, so they buy these off-label superchargers. What's in my iPhone?
4: What's the battery in the iPhone? Is it similar?
6: It It is, but they're much higher quality batteries since the, the fires. One of the so that's
4: okay to keep charging fun. overnight because I do that all the time.
6: It is because you're not putting it in extreme temperatures. If you leave it in the heat or you leave your car phone in the heat, you'll notice that a warning will come up and yeah. it will say battery overheated, Over especially now because we put these covers on it. And guess what those plastic covers do? They actually act as an insulator and they increase the temperature in the battery. So you want to use only factory chargers, and the other thing is, like for example, there was a fire where there was a death in Vancouver, Canada, and what they, uh, they there was a repair shop that worked on a, a certain battery, and the repair shop said we don't we do not allow uh, e-bikes to be left in our store overnight, and that's a big problem. So we tell our public that you can also buy uh, bags that are fireproof bags while you're storing it. You can actually put it inside. They sell them. And if you're going to go away on vacation, never leave the battery unattended. You can put it in one of these fireproof bags because as we saw those two teenagers hanging from an apartment building when there was an electric uh, battery fire. So try when you buy these super cheap bikes, you're buying sometimes the poor quality battery. So try to look for a UL listed battery, Mm -hmm. not change the charger, use the factory charger. You consider using these uh, fire uh, bags. And uh, hydrogen cyanide gas and fluoride gas comes out of these battery fires, and they're very hard to extinguish. And well, keep listening to WABC for safety tips on e back batteries.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mikolos. It's unfortunate news and that 17 people lost their lives, but thank you for always speaking the truth, getting that information out there so people can live long, healthy lives and be safe. Thank you so much, sir. And what do we stand for? What do we stand for, guys? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American American way. way. God bless America. God bless New York.
6: Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.